Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan, and uh, I'm in a special mood today. This mood has me snapping off on morons, and (laughs) it's best to be doing this instead of reading Twitter right now. But uh, with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Jim Stamm. Jim, how are you, brother? I'm sick, Gary. I'm sick, but I'm going to plow through it. You got me some. <laughs> you got me some lineup protection today, so uh, yeah. We got to get this boy some Robitussin. Mo Tussin, Mo Tussin. Is there is there anything worse than being sick in the summer too? It's like it's just the worst. <laughs> oh, it's, when it's, it's when it's when it's hot out and yeah. you're like, oh yeah. So, anyways, so, so, I should me. say about I should talk about this other guy talking just so people know who it is, but. I'm joining us th- this week to try to make sense of the draft is, is my longtime friend and co-editor over at Inside the Bucks Basement, host of his own podcast, Bucks in the Basement, which should sound familiar. Uh, if you absolutely add it, if you don't already have it on your playlist, it's Craig Toth. How are you, brother? Oh, guys, I'm doing great. And I appreciate uh, you guys inviting me back on. And and Jim, I'm, I'm sorry you're feeling under the weather, dude. So I will... Fill in the best I can, but I also want to. I also want to get some of your feedback too on on what you're thinking about everything's going on because we had a a Twitter conversation late into the uh, the morning hours last night. So yes, uh, we yes, definitely got to talk about some of that stuff. We are going to get to it. Trust me. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, so, boys, I really don't want to go chapter and verse through this draft. I mean, a whole bunch of reasons for that. But the biggest one might be that even if we knew every one of them. The audience won't be recalling our words of wisdom for 20 guys five years from now. You know, when and if they arrive in the big leagues. Um, let's start with the obvious. Termar Johnson. Let's start with what we think of the player. And Craig, you have the honor since I know you dug in on him a week ago. You know, let's let's look at this pick from another angle after you're done. But let, let's, let's see your initial evaluation. Well... I don't want to say that like the initial reaction, because there were obviously players that I liked and people that I wanted to pick. And I think I sent you a text, Gary, like right after this happened. And we were talking about, you know, Tamar Johnson's defense. And it wasn't even the part of, you know, everybody's saying, well, he's going to be like a second baseman or whatever. The biggest part I looked at after that, after we, you know, my initial thing of man, can he play defense? he actually can play defense. Yeah. It's just that they're projecting when he gets to that level that he might not be able to stick it short and he still might, who knows? So that was that part of it. But Tamar Johnson, you know, set, I, I, I think about this. You do not like just fall yourself into a, a sift, a six, 60 or a 70, 80 grade hit tool and he's got a 70, you know, you don't, you don't just scuffle your way into that. Um, The guy does have a lot of speed athleticism. So the defense wasn't the issue and it's the arm and it's an 18 year old arm. So, you know, some guys might be able to to pump it out there starting at 18. Some by some guys may need to, you know, learn that a little bit more, but you know, people were saying he was the, the best prep hitter in decades. 
not just, right. you know, within the past few drafts, like decades, like people were saying who was the best, you know, prep hitter before him. And people were saying it was probably Griffey and to not say that he would be Griffey, but they've just never seen someone that controls the zone and is just that good of a hitter, not only for contact, but also for power in a lot of times. So when you're sitting there at number four and, you know, holiday falls at number one, then you got Drew Jones, who we all knew if he was not going to go number one, he's probably going to number two. Kumar Rocker, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, how can you be? Yeah, that's an (laughs) understatement. Yeah. How can you be, how can you be upset with, with Tamar Johnson there? I mean, I'm not upset. I'm not upset about it, but, but Jim, I mean, is this Joe Morgan or is this uh, Raphael Devers? I mean, we I've seen like comparisons all up and down the board. What do you think, man? Man, it is wild when you start reading about him, right? I mean, you start hearing names like Joe Morgan and you know um, Wade Boggs. Wade these Boggs. are from legit Wade. people. These yeah, aren't yeah. bloggers. These, yeah, these are like, like these, these are, are big aren't... names that are saying this stuff. Yeah, I'm talking MLB.com has him as a combination of Wade Boggs' plate discipline and uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr.'s bat-to-ball skills. I mean, like, if that doesn't get your attention, um, those are just not names you throw around casually in Major League Baseball circles. Um, But It's stuff that would get a negative comment from me if I saw Cody say it on Twitter. I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean (laughs) – it, 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 if you put something out like, you know, that, man, it should get your attention. You know, um, I think what it comes down to is like, like Craig said, like, listen, man, he, some scouts wanted to put him at an 80 for, yeah, yeah. for, for, for his hit tool. I mean, like, and that is, that is, that, that's that, rare. No, rare that, don't, yeah. don't go no higher than that folks. So no, you're talking um, Rod Carew territory then, you know, things like that. Tony Gwynn like had, had oh. that kind of hit tool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. funny thing is, Jim, and maybe you have a different opinion than I do. And Craig, I'd like your opinion on this too. MLB is not raising hitters like that anymore. So are they going to let him be an 80 grade hitter if, if that's the way he's going to trend? Or are they going to just try to accentuate that power, which is also pretty up there? I mean, Jim, you tackle that first and we'll toss it back to Craig. I mean, I mean, my hope is that with guys like this, man, you just you, you you let them do what they do. If he's got this this kind of natural ability, but I mean, it's a it's a fair question. They don't they don't instruct anybody that way anymore. I mean, look at yeah. look at look at what Diego Castillo has turned into since he's been in the major leagues. I mean, he's he's completely gone away from everything that I thought he was you know, before he got there. And I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just getting more back to your point, which is these are not the type of hitters that you see in major league baseball anymore. So yeah. I mean, Craig, what do you think? Yeah. And, and I'll touch on the Diego thing. Cause it's, that was really weird. Cause I, I know Jim, you had posted a while ago and I definitely agreed with you like back in, in June, like Diego Castillo's swing. And I, I know we're talking draft and like that. He became like, just it was very weird at the plate i'd like to see him continue to what he was doing in july because his swing was looking a little bit more like it did back 
uh, when he first came up. So that's just like, you know, maybe he worked his way through that and did whatever. So hopefully, but I definitely agree with you. It was, he was absolutely out of his element and just looked so weird there for like a month. So hopefully, almost, almost unrecognizable, but yeah. 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 So hopefully he, he turns it around there, but with, I would hope because there is a lot of stuff when I'm like looking at the minor league players that they're, they're looking at the people like drawing the walks and, and being patient at the plate and actually just kind of hitting to how they want to hit. Yeah. I it's, but then maybe Gary, it'll come back around a little bit toward yeah. what it used to be. But to Gary's point, that's not really happening at the major league team. So if it happens throughout the minors, does that really matter if it completely flips around like we've seen a couple times once somebody gets to the major league level is that hitting program going to change so i i definitely are they going to let him be that player i think he could definitely be that player within the minors because they're just trying to figure out who he is but once yeah. he gets to like the major league program which with the pirates now it's supposed to be oscar marine is you know his program is from top to bottom it's supposed to be from the major league level down the whole way to the dsl is that the same with the what's well, not the Andy Haynes program? We all know it's the Derek Shelton program. Is it the same program? It, Andy Haynes or Derek Shelton, whoever it would be. Is it that same program down through? I don't really see that because hitters, when they get to the major leagues in t- at times, like look different and their approaches look different than they yeah. did down in the minor leagues. That's a great point. And I also see them start to tinker once they get to major leagues. So that kind of tells me that maybe they do have a different plan on the way up. And if I were Derek Shelton, I would definitely have the plan reach all the way to Bradenton because I'd want to go home and visit my smoking hot wife. But <laughs> I understand what I understand that, that he can't have everything he wants. He's still a young manager that hasn't had a winning season or anything. So let's take a quick break. Come back. I think we have some more things to talk about the draft because it's a little bigger than that, but not a whole lot. It's present. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim, Craig, and Gary with you, and we're going to pick up where we left off a little bit. I think we have a little bit more turmoil to cover because, uh, you know, no matter what you say, he's an interesting prospect, right? Um, Let's look at it from another angle. This was a high school pick, and despite a select few idiots thinking he'll be here in two years, we all know it's going to be longer. I mean, what did this selection say to you about the Pirates' internal strategy? Jim, let's start with you. Well, let me just let, – let's let's briefly mention that even guys like Ken Griffey Jr., who, uh, you know, is a complete unicorn, he started in the All-Star game at center field at 19 years old. So if you're right. suggesting that someone like Tamar Johnson can be – there at 20 that's kind of what you're comparing him to so if that's your that's your bag baby have at it i just think that like (laughs) let's get some perspective here too um but 
moving on, let's get back to Tamar Johnson, who, by the way, man, people got to learn how to spell his name. Come on, guys. I know it's a little weird, but man, people are butchering it already. Tamar. Yeah, it's it's so anyways, but here's the thing. And, you know, when I started, I started uh, reading up as much as I could on the guy as early as a year ago. And this is from Baseball America. And they did a, they did kind of a feature on him. And they were talking about where he might go in the draft, kind of the rare company he might be in. And then they put an update on this story at the time. And this is in August of last year. And said, update, a scout reached out to note that Johnson's official height, as measured at this showcase, was five foot seven. Um, just adds to the potential uniqueness as a top five pick. Now, you know, I can handle five ten, five nine. You start getting into five seven, I mean, you're down into the Jose Altuve territory with things. And you know, so it just that just got my attention. And you know, I think the biggest thing here, guys, is when you look at him, what we're talking about is if you're talking about him as a shortstop, like the Pirates are kind of trying to do, he fits a lot better with where he was drafted and kind of like comps and historical comps. But when you see him as a second baseman in this size, it's really rarefied air right. that you see a guy this size, this age, drafted where he was. I'm talking only a handful of guys ever. It so, probably speaks to how verifiable that hit tool is because he was universally up there. This wasn't some pirate's reach. No, you know, I mean, no. Yeah. That's, that's, and, and that's a good thing to add to this is like, I'm not, I'm not questioning it because I, I actually do like the pick because of the things you just mentioned, how scouts are discussing about him, but there is a flip side to it. And you read that stuff and you're like, Oh, okay. Sure. Well, you know, that's that's some of the potential risk, even with a guy like this. And I liked all that information from Jim, but he didn't try to answer the question, Craig. So maybe you will. <laughs> what does this do to the Pirates system internally? What what are they saying with this pick? I think a lot of people thought they were going to take a college bat, somebody that could contribute to the perceived universally accepted window. But I think <laughs> they're just really trying to bring talent in. And I don't think they're thinking like that. I think now, this was just a pick because he was the most talented guy available. What do you think? No, and and the funny thing is, is, is Gary's going to kill me and you, Jim, because I'm going to I'm just going to to say what you said. The first thing when they drafted him, and they said five <laughs> ten, I'm like, dude, this guy's not five ten. The first person I thought of was Tim was Tim Raines, Tim Rock Raines. When I was thinking like five foot eight, 160 pounds, had some power, had some speed, and so like I don't know what type of player he's going to be from that. Um, so I didn't even really think of his size and, and I did think a little bit about the high school piece of it because everybody's saying like, okay, if we drafted, I think it was like, if we drafted like a Brooks Lee, I saw Zach, uh, Zach Neto or Nito come in, you know, from Campbell university as the shortstop right, right. At, at some point in time, a little bit older of a player, a Jordan Barry, you know, somebody, um, who, you know, I had talked to scouts and they were saying that he could be up here as early as like the end of next year. Like, I'm not even joking, like almost like a like an Andrew Vaughn type riser throughout the system. Yeah, I just saw and, the same kind of thing from the Marlins. So, yeah, yeah. I get it. 
yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at that kind of stuff and, you know, people would say, you know, their automatic thought is like you said, Gary, where people would say that, you know, oh, he's going to be up here when he's 20 and, and Jim saying the Griffey thing. I'm just like, dude, this is like once, twice in a generation, this ever happens where a dude gets up that young and you can't really expect that from a player. I mean, if it happens to anybody, that's awesome, but you can't be looking for that. For me, I think that he went best player available at this point in time. I think Ben Sherrington, I think this had, I think this had nothing to do with the window. I think this had nothing to do with that, you know, next wave that we talk about that, you know, it could be the person after, you know, a, a, hopefully a Gonzalez and a, and a, and a Leo Verpiguero and, and whoever it may be to get into that next wave with down there with Chandler and to add to that talent pool, I think they saw like at that point in time, you know, after in my mind, once Drew Jones is off the board at number two, like there's about five or six guys that have a total, um, I wouldn't say an equal amount of talent, but I've seen, you know, Tamar Johnson, there was conversations with like Brooks Lee that Tamar Johnson had a little bit higher of a ceiling, but, he was a very similar player to Brooks Lee as far as like the bat to ball skills and a tough, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff. So it was like, which player did their scouts believe is the best among them and right. not even thinking about whether it's a high school player or a college player. It's just like, who is going to be the best player for our system? I don't think you want to be the organization Think you, I think you're okay if you miss on a Tamar Johnson that it doesn't work out. I don't think you want to be the one that passed on him with that kind of, um, uh, you know, when you're talking best pure prep hitter in decades, I can live with that if it misses. You know, I mean, like, uh, that's just, I, I, that's how I look at it. Because yeah, everybody's it's saying funny. it's just not one person. Like I think it's right. funny because we, we talked about this a lot, and, and we'll probably wrap up Termar here and move on to the next – segment of the draft talk but i guess i should give my thoughts on him too <laughs> i'm a little worried about the defense overall um i think if he's not a second baseman i don't think he has a position yeah he, he yeah and um that's scary like as an 18 year old to you better be a second baseman <laughs> and i think they're gonna try him out at shortstop all the way up and i think he would move over to second base at some point but if it doesn't work out there, he's a designated hitter. And I think there's a good chance he can work out as a second baseman. So, like, that makes me feel good. It's just that. There's a good shot. It, second base might be Occupado, too. Well, and that, well, but you know, that scares me a little bit because it, you don't have a lot of places you can move this kid around. Again, I don't think you're sticking him in the outfield. No, and here's my thing, Gary, is you're talking about, like, a second baseman. Like, a second baseman now – um, pretty much has the person completely shifted over and they're covering like, you know, they're in the outfield, they're doing whatever. And it's also thinking about what a second baseman looks like under the new, you know, rules and the new guys yeah. is going to come with like yeah. the shift. Yeah. Like, so, and, and so that's why I, I see your concern. Like I, I, I think it's a valid concern because if you're already questioning his defense and you're already questioning his position, a lot of people may be thinking about second base under the current, you know, system in the current guise of what it is, is that going to be what it is in, you know, 
three, four, five years, I would say four or five years when he comes up, like what is second base going to look like? And if he doesn't fit in at second base yet, they're saying he has an average arm. I'm glad that he doesn't have like a, a 35 arm. I know yeah, right, right. the value or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess that's like another, an that's an important factor though. We're, we're saying we're worried about something that it's not like it's below average. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's okay. Well, yeah, it's quite just, honestly, if he's average at second base, fantastic. Like, right, you know, right. who, who cares? Um, let me let me just throw one more thing in here. I got. I know we want to move on, but I monkey just, wrench here he comes. I found so many <laughs> interesting things about Tamar Johnson. So Pipeline gave him a, a a sixty power grade. So I mean, it's it's his power's legit. Like people, for a smaller guy, he's got legit power. But this shocked me, guys. Only 36 players in ALNL history listed at 510 or shorter have ever hit 30 home runs in a season. Hey. So, I mean, you know. This sounds now, like a, a Yark and, and J- James Littleton bat in the making. Uh, you, hey, so, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, I guess, like, I didn't realize it throws you in that kind of specific territory now i will add five of those happened in uh 2021 so things are changing or they appear to be yeah yeah it depends what depends what ball manfred throws out there right that's what it's relating to like yeah yeah the the, uh, do you get your do you do we uh get are we still doing the humidor thing or not but yeah just something else i wanted to throw out there because i thought that was really fascinating yeah either way interesting and i think all that really boils down to from the very best experts out there to the bloggers to the twitter fools to just normal people none of us know what the hell this kid's gonna be i mean zero we don't man zero be excited about the talent and let's watch him play and let's see what it is um personally i don't feel like it had shit to do with this whole thing working or not anyway We'll know before he no. gets, gets to major leagues whether this is on the right track or not. Um, so the seems other big like, seems no, like a great kid. Seems like a great kid. We didn't even touch on. Yeah, yeah, He's really, really a, nice piece actually on uh, yeah. on the website uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, that Alex Stump wrote today. Pretty long form, nice piece. Yeah, but if you want an inside look at him and his character and his charisma and stuff like that, yeah, he he he's got he's got that special it as far as personality goes. We'll see we'll see how what that does. So anyway, best best player in the draft in a ring. I mean that that kid was and he hugged everybody. I loved how he hugged. <laughs> I, I think I don't know what her real name is, but she goes by like LG Red or whatever. And as soon as he was drafted, he went over and hugged her, and I'm like. That was actually kind yeah. of nice. It was actually kind of fun it's, that he was like that excited. Like, do you know what I mean? That's it's it's actually cool to see a kid like that excited to, and it's maybe not even to join a baseball team, but just to be playing baseball. Yes. Oh it's man, he sounded like, that was awesome. He sounded like uh, he was starting a, a military sortie to go take out like some capital somewhere. Like, yeah. he, he's like. I want to form a team. We're going to do, I spent all this time watching 2013 through 15. I want to like go after it and build what they built. And like, dude, I don't care if he, if he's unsuccessful, I'm never going to hate the passion, man. And I love seeing him come in with that, with that attitude. Cause Taylor made Taylor made for this kind of city. We've talked an awful lot about this team lacking a vocal leader. 
And, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be the one that starts this whole thing, you know, but man, you'd like to to inject somebody like that right into the middle of it. Wouldn't you? Nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about another focus on the draft. If you guys will quit derailing me for a couple seconds. And uh, never one more thing. No, I'm kidding. Imagine my two best friends in the world just pull me in opposite directions from where I'm headed all the time. I mean, I pick best friends the way I pick wives, I guess, because yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Anyways, Craig, it's a dire need, they needed pitching, and that's what they did. They took the old throw stuff at the wall approach and uh, they're going to see what sticks. Have any thoughts on this one? Because they got 17 total pitchers, right? <laughs> and they got seven left-handed pitchers. Both they sorely needed. I mean, you cannot deny how badly they needed those. And they have to be available. Which I'm, I'm guessing that uh, Ben Sherrington has been listening to my podcast, listening to your podcast, reading what you write, reading what uh, Alex writes, everything, because of the stuff that we mentioned. And I was listening to your podcast, I think it was like last week or the week before, and it's just like, do we have, like, other than like an Omar Cruz, I, I think we have like a couple <laughs> other guys like that are like left-handed prospects. You know, Anthony Solomito, like way down there and stuff. but. Right. Every single draft that like Ben Sherrington did, it was just like, okay, we go get our hitter, our you know best hitter in the draft, and then we get all the right-handed pitchers, and and it was definitely different this year. And it was to me, I think that they just basically looked and said, we need arms. And and once again, I mean, I, I everybody will say like, Craig, how many times do you text Gary? And I'm probably like, you know, probably two to three times a day. But anyway, I texted him <laughs> after that. And I just basically said, after they drafted Tamar Johnson, I was just like, okay, let's go get some arms. Yeah. I think I tweeted out arms, arms, arms. That was yeah. it. <laughs> as soon as I was like, I like the pick arms, arms, arms. Like, and, that's and it. Craig, Craig, let me real quick. Let me ask you. Cause you, you're, 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 you're much more into this than I am. What I had read about this year's draft that, you know, pitching wasn't, it wasn't a real good year for the pitching and the depth in the draft. So is, was that accurate or no? I I feel like that there was a decent amount of, of solid college arms um, and even some good high school arms because there were a lot of guys that had to either, you know, kind of reclassify or, you know, they became, they're so, their draft eligible sophomores this year when they actually would have been juniors yeah. uh, because of like the, I mean, like I said, I've said on a bunch of stuff, like I can't wait till we can get past the point of like the pandemic year and having that not have an effect mm-hmm. on like the players are being drafted, the players are being selected in different stuff. That's but a good I, point. But I feel like it was a very strong year for college pitchers. Cause there were probably, you know, if you think about it, in 2020, now we're in 2022. There's guys that, you know, were able to reclassify. There's guys that decided to go to the point. junior colleges. There's there's people that have decided to do that, where they probably would have been drafted in 2020, but with that draft being you know shortened to the the five rounds that it was, I mean, there was only a limited number of people that could be drafted. So to me, 
I feel like this was a, and Gary falls along the same lines as me in this. I feel like it was a very high floor college arm draft. Yeah. And, and and not like there wasn't like those big name guys there. I mean, you had like the, you know, of course, Ben Joyce, who's like, you know, the fireman down there who could throw like, you know, 105 miles an hour and difference like that stuff like that. But just think about like, you know, there wasn't that Jack lighter. I mean, Kumar rocker came back, you know, for the, the second go around, but other than him, like there wasn't a lot of those big names going around so to me like it could be a good pitcher draft but i i just felt like it was it was a deep draft as far as guys that were more polished if that makes sense yeah. sure and, and he he said it best for me I, I think it's a high floor lower ceiling type draft for pitching and the, one of the exceptions to that role, I actually think the Pirates got in Hunter Barco. Oh, absolutely. The third pick. And they had to take a guy who, who had Tommy John surgery, but he's a guy that he, he's an exception to that role. He was just a risk because of the injury, not, not because of the talent. I think that's a kid that they stole a first rounder there, I think. So I would agree with you. I think if he doesn't have the injury, that's where he's going. So, right. and and the um, funny thing is, he was he was near first round in 2019. He was one of he was listed as one of the best prep pitchers prep, yep. prep pitchers in the 2019 draft, left-handers. So he would be along the lines of like a, a Solomito as far as like the talent level and the ranking, you know, without that injury. And and I've said this everywhere, and I probably even said it on my podcast or said it wherever, but like. Anybody that gets caught on one of those gifs or gifs or whatever they call them saying F you to a guy he strikes out, I, I probably want that guy on my team. Like that's awesome. <laughs> a little a little bit of that Max Scherzer action. Yeah, going just on. just and and honestly, like he has when he's when he's healthy, he has the tools to back it up. Yeah, that's a big boy too. And I think I think we're gonna look back very fondly on on that pick. And Harrington I, I do like as well. Beyond that, it's a crapshoot to me. It was um, a whole bunch of very similar guys, and they kind of picked from that pool of similar guys along with everybody else and just stocked up on college arms. And I think why, Craig, the, the reasons you gave, pretty much what I'm thinking too, that COVID year really screwed some people up, pushed some draft dates back for people, forced them to college, messed up a lot of things for a lot of kids. So, yeah. Jim, what are your thoughts on it, real quick, before we? Take actually, I was break? I was actually one other guy I was actually going to ask Craig about. So I'm going to put you on the spot, buddy. Not a problem, um, man. Yeah. So day two, third round, Jack Brannigan. First of all, Jack Brannigan from <laughs> Notre Dame. I mean, it sounds like he's a detective in like The Departed. I mean, it's so perfectly. Well, fighting here's the, Irish. And here's, and here's the thing is every single time I, I say his name, I add the O to it. I'm like, Jack O'Brien again. Yeah, I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so, it's so perfect for that. But like two-way guy, right? Can hit a hundred on the, on the radar gun, but also is a third baseman. What do you think? What do you see from him? What do you think the pirates are seeing from a guy like that? Well, the weird thing is, is that, I mean, he, he's, he was pretty much a hitter in college. Like, Right. He only had, I think it was about 14 innings during his senior year. So I'm like kind of curious as to how the Pirates, I mean. That's what I thought. I was like, how are they going to, what are they seeing as? 
And I think I think that the thing with him is that he wants to at least to try to be a two way player. And being okay. a being a college guy, I I feel like that might be a little bit more difficult than like a Bubba Chandler type thing, who's a high school guy who can you can move a little bit slower. If you're drafting a guy to college like that old, you might want to see what he can do. But it almost reminds me of kind of like when the Reds brought up Michael Lorenzen, and he right. was like more of a pitcher, but you could put him in center field, and. I think this may fall into like, and we could go down a giant rabbit hole of what <laughs> happens with the, the position players pitching and different stuff like that, that he could end up being a guy that if you were in a blowout and you wanted to not look bad, he could come in. But I don't know. I don't know how they can go with a guy who I believe had like 16 home runs this past year for the Irish and look to see and he pitched, you know, 14 innings that you're going to try to turn him into a pitcher, but stranger things have happened. I I mean, he definitely has the talent and ability from the pitching side, but to me, this guy's like a hitter first and to see him listed as a two-way player, I feel like it was almost like he wanted to, when he went to, because if you'll notice, like I, I just, just give me a here for a second. There's a lot of things to the new MLB combine. <coughs> that is it makes baseball different now because it's almost like the NFL combine. So did he go in and say, I'm listed as a two-way player and that's why he's a two-way player. That's all I just want to say. Uh, I, I mean, I have an opinion on this guy too, but his, his college team lists him as a two-way player, whether he is or not. So potentially that's where it came from. Yeah. Uh, second, his hit tolls aren't, aren't nearly as impressive to me as his pitching toll ratings. So I almost see them deciding that he's just a pitcher, which is um, it could and, obviously happen. I, and yeah, I could probably hey, see him being a relief pitcher. I mean, developing he might be just him like as a back end player. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, hundred mile per hour that gets your attention. Yeah, right. Now that doesn't mean he can throw it anywhere. And then I'm going to comment one last thing because, like, we started going down the rabbit hole, and it just made me think of something. You can't do that like short change two-way player stuff with somebody that's going to come in throwing 100 miles an hour. They're not going to do that to an arm. Hell, they made Josh Van Meter throw lollipops. So anyways, Jim. <laughs> well, like I said, maybe Michael Lorenzen. That's what he could be. maybe be. Maybe, you know. Right, you're right. Where he's more of a pitcher, yeah. but he can go out and play the field every once in a while, right? But aside from that, yeah, I think that pretty much covers the draft. The only thing I really saw any hate on was – um, JP Massey. I saw a lot of people like really hated that pick. I mean, he's no worse than any of the other ones that I saw, really. I mean, if anything, he's a little small, but you know, I who knows? I mean, like, hell, there's been good short pitchers before. I, I just, I don't know. As long as he doesn't look like a 12 year old like Zach Davies, I'm okay. Well, here's the thing is it's a point where he could, like, you know if they see a certain pitch in him that they think they can develop or, you know, he has something like at that point in time in the draft, like you were saying, Gary, it's like after like the first, you know, maybe second, third round, it's just like, you're almost looking for, you know, does this guy show something with a certain pitch that we think we could bring that out and emphasize that yeah. where, you know, he could be that guy with the ultimate goal of, you know, being that guy in like the seventh inning or something that comes in before mm-hmm. you're, you know, 
the shutdown and the flamethrower, you know, that could, you know, throw people off or do whatever. So you're kind of looking for that kind of stuff. So you're talking, you- yeah, you're talking about like, I mean, what the 200th selection, I mean, like, I mean, for people to get that crazy, you know, upset about that, that, <laughs> that that's a little much for me. It, it is, especially since, you know, Keith Law doesn't know much about J.P. Massey besides covering him when he was a prep student way back yeah. when in 2019 when he decided that when he you know when he didn't get drafted like <laughs> yeah, that's, Craig, that's where a lot of those reports are from so right and craig's right i mean what they are doing is they are they are you know when they're when they're looking at these guys they're seeing one or two things that they think that they can build on and get this guy to the major leagues and have him play a role of some sort I mean, that's that's the hope. That's the hope. So all in all, boys and girls, I think that that wraps up the draft. I think that's where we are with it. And I think we should, unless you guys have any parting shots on it, overall, I think it was kind of a great start. And I like the first three rounds after that. You're rolling the dice. You might as well be playing Yahtzee after that to me. Well, yeah. And I mean, I guess the only thing I would add is, you know, um, look at – Nick Gonzalez right now, you know, people, you know, we're, we're saying things about Nick Gonzalez, how he'll be here in 2022 and 2023. And that has not gone to plan. So, you know, and, um, and he was a heck of a hitter too. So, and, and, and it still could happen. It's just, you know, remember what we're dealing with here, even sure things in baseball are not sure things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because as you do this longer and longer, you know, we're, I'm, I'm getting long in the tooth now. I've been doing this four years now. Your cautionary tales start to like yeah. be a little bit less tales and more reality because people are actually seeing it. So, Definitely. um, you know, we're not just uh, being party poopers when we tell you like that Johnson's not going to be here in two years. Or like, that there are some concerns about him. Right. Yeah. Just I, I will say, Gary, I, you said you first. Anybody else you want to throw in? I mean, the one thing I'll throw in is Michael Kennedy, the high school pitcher, the left-hander that we picked up. LSU yeah. commits. Um, threw a no-hitter in like a, a regional game like against like some of the top talent in that area. Like that was probably another one. If I'm going to go outside those top three that were picked to kind of mention it, that would be him. It's good to mention Kennedy too, because out of all the picks, I'm the most afraid that he'll go to college and not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I do think he uh, has potential for uh, first or second rounder. If he, if he wants to go to a couple years of college. Absolutely. But that'll be because they don't want to play with for Bob Nutting. So I'm already prepared for, for that. <laughs> Everyone has already made sure they told me. And speaking of dumb things, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to have a very different call your shot because this is my damn shot. So come on back. shot 
and this is the Pirates Fan Forum on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, because I wanted them to just play this intro right away. This is my Call Your Shot, and it's about Call Your Shot. If you're going to send me Call Your Shots, I want to use them, but I also don't want to embarrass you, and I've gotten some real bad ones. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of playing them, I think what I'm going to do is try to illustrate why they're not good call your shots. And it's mostly going to be because the way Jim and I think specifically, we're going to have a real hard time not chewing your head off when we talk about them. So (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and read about two or three of them. We'll see how it goes. You're going to kind of see why I don't want to play your video and embarrass you. That's all. So let's start. It's it's for your protection. Yes, this is for your benefit, a PSA, if you will. So here's my first one, and it led me to, to send a tweet out yesterday, so I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> why won't the Pirates trade for Juan Soto? If, <laughs> if Bob Nutting gave one shit about winning, they would make that trade with all these prospects that probably won't ever pan out anyway. My my, how could I give you a, a credible segment with a question like that? In well, first story? of all, first of all, when Craig sends you those, it's at like <laughs> it's at like it's at like three a.m. and he's halfway into a thirty rock of icy light. So you know, I mean, just a little context there. I, I apologize, guys. I, I, that was that was a bad one. That was like the on the on the back porch. You know, I, got, I mean. I got, if you really I, I, want to answer a question like that, in all sincerity, there's so much more wrong with it than right. It's really hard for me to even get started. Bob Nutting being <laughs> cheap has nothing to do with not wanting to trade for Juan Soto. It has everything to do with he wouldn't help them win based on what they'd have to give up, and they don't have enough to recoup from sending out all the stuff they'd have to send out. Plus, this is not a team that would ever, ever, ever be giving out a $500 million contract. They just set a record with 80 for God's sake. How could you send me that with a straight face? Yeah. And how much, how much control would they have of Soto when, you know, they would trade for him two years, two years. So, (laughs) so you would be trading and people would probably be saying like, you know, trade and I'm not, I don't want to give too much credibility to this person, but it'd basically be like, who are your top five prospects in the pirate system? I love, you know, like I love how Craig's gonna actually logically work through, <laughs> work through this. Well, that's the point. That's the point. You can't logically work you through. You can't. It. Yeah. And and I mean, like the only and, the best and, thing I can say about it, Jim, really, is like if the Pirates were literally like they felt like they were a piece away, maybe that that might be your World Series ticket right there. For the two years, absolutely. For if you're two, like, yeah. if you're you not there. With, if, you could, <laughs> well, if you could win with the next two years and trade away. Yeah you know, three of your top five prospects and, you know, give some money and do whatever. Yeah, maybe, but no. Am I being naive to think that like when this deal happens, like there's going to be a contract worked out with it, like an agreement, like when, like, am I wrong? Like, I just thought that that would be part of it. Almost a, almost a a Mookie type situation where like like, he's, he's getting traded and he's going to sign with the Dodgers later on or something. To me, like, that's what I thought Boris would want to do here, but maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something different with that. I just, that's what I thought. He who shall not be named a Boris conversation. Right. 
So that's one right there. <laughs> okay, let's. Here's let's another one. That's a high bar. Like, that's a high bar. I feel, like, right I feel like we did pretty good trying to talk through that, like even though it was a ridiculous. Exactly, <laughs> but it, you know, it's really a stretch to get an entire segment out of that, and I and I was really restricting myself. So yeah, here's another one, <laughs> and and you guys are gonna love this one, and Jim, it plays right into something else you were talking about. All right. If the pirates are smart, don't you think they should trade Daniel Vogel back for a starting pitcher? Somebody that can be in the top half of the rotation. Uh, Do you really think that's what Daniel Vogelback's worth? Do you? Do you really want me to spend 15 minutes telling you why Daniel Vogelback is not worth a front half of the starting rotation pitcher? Do you? I, I think those White Sox out there are, are upset that Giolito's struggling a little bit this year. So they would probably, like, you know, send him over for Vogel back because they need some hitters to get some runs, you know. Like, Absolutely. Are, like, Vogelback has and, – and this is this goes right into what me and Jim were talking about last night. Jim put something out, and he was just basically like, if we're going to trade Vogelback, and you were talking about going for, you know, a double-A – pitcher with some upside and i just basically said i said jim you're on the right path like and and that could be the right path like i was just basically thinking your mindset was going in the right direction and people are thinking that it's going to be more than that and i'm like this is a guy that you paid and if you if you did not pick up that option if you didn't pick up the option and you decided to pay him out you gave him a million dollars his contract for this year technically is only eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right. So, do you think that people are going to give you one of the top three pitchers or somebody who's in AAA who's projecting to be one of the top three pitchers in their system for a guy that you're picking up next year for one point five million dollars? Right, no, and he and he hasn't performed <laughs> to the degree to even warrant that. Right. And yeah. it's it's literally Jim, it's it's so silly and this is this is the, the last thing I'll say on it because it really got me fired up. If if somebody's trading for Daniel Vogelback, it's because they think they're in the race. Now I'm going to guess if they're trading for Vogelback, they're either in the fringes of it or they really don't need much to begin with. They ain't giving you one of their starting pitchers. <laughs> they're not giving you one of their starting pitchers in either of those scenarios. Yeah, it's that, it's crazy. Especially when, I mean, essentially what we're talking about with Vogelbach is a guy that has, I mean, he's over, he's overperformed. So you're, 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 you're trying to just sell high on him and he's pretty much on a contending team. He's a platoon DH. Uh, You know what I mean? You're not going to put him in there against the lefty. You can't hit lefties. Um, He's murdering right-handed pitching. So that's why whenever I started out saying something in double A, let's get a pitcher that you, you've identified as somebody that you, you, that you really like. But that's where I would be. Um, you know, so I'm, again, here we go being serious about it. But yes, the bottom line is, the bottom line is Daniel Vogelbach is not getting you a major league pitcher unless it's somebody that you probably don't want in the first place. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's just, that's not as I, I think someone 
someone tweeted tweeted something to me very similar uh, to what you just said, Gary, or this 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 topic, and I said that's just not the way any of this works. And I, I don't I don't know how else to respond but to say that it's so difficult to bring up. And yeah, and and, I'll, and here's the last one that we'll do, and and that's just all there is to it. Um, why do you bother doing this show? Bob Nutting is too cheap to ever win. He doesn't want to win. He's not interested in winning. And that's why I'm not interested in your show. (laughs) (laughs) Then why are you commenting? Now, we don't don't usually promo call your shot until the end of our show. (laughs) So guess what this person probably did to find out about call your shot? (laughs) They listened to your whole show. Like the most absolutely. <laughs> that said, I mean, yeah, Bob Nutting's cheap. I, I mean, again, I'll care about it when I have to care about it, and that's when I expect them to add talent, which is after 2023. Whether you really want to hear that or not, that's when I expect them to do some kind of actual investment. This year will be patchwork again, hopefully a little bit more, and I think there'll be 500 or close. That's me, but. Bob being cheap is Bob being cheap. It's always going to be the case. I think I heard Dayon say it the other day. He watched the man fly a middle seat in Southwest. I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> do you get what I mean? He's yeah. a cheap man. I That's mean, Warren, hey, Warren Buffett gets McDonald's every morning. So, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> so, some, guys, some guys that are, that are wealthy, they, uh, they, they still don't like to spend money. I mean, what I find funny about that is, is like, this is a show where clearly we talk about the pirates. We kind of know what Bob Nutting is. I, I mean, just just a little. It'd I be mean, great to not but, have to be educated on it every day. Uh, like I'm well, not we, paying any attention. Like, don't you guys know who Bob Nutting is and what he <laughs> represents? And it's like, yeah, yeah, well, we may, know that. Maybe what we can do is like before every podcast. Uh, you put that quick, like little lawyer speak fast talking at the commercials, like warning, Bob Nutting is cheap. We understand this. You, you just go into, go into Dude, something like that. Like, we can do a whole pledge, pledge of allegiance to, to hating Bob Nutting before every episode. We'll have to cross our hearts yeah. right in front of the camera and go, I pledge allegiance. Bob Nutting is the cheapest SOB that's ever walked the face of the earth. All the other owners hate him. He wants to trade all the good players as soon as they get good. Oh my God. Like it, we kind of we we get that. We just leave it be. About it all the time. (laughs) Leave it be, and like you spent time creating a video and sending it to me. You you spent time doing that. I I was going to answer it. Yeah, I mean, I love the ones. Why do you care? Like, check my bio, dude. I you know my Twitter (laughs) bio. I mean, just look at. I mean, like, there's a reason. I just thought of Bill Ingvall, the guy that was like, here's your sign. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to this entire podcast and you posted something to a video that you had to listen to an entire podcast about why you wouldn't listen to the entire podcast, <laughs> here's your sign. Like, I love honestly, it so much. I love it so much. It's the same as when people read one of our articles and they go like, None of this made any sense. I could barely get through it. And then they quote like an entire paragraph from the very bottom of it. And you're like, you just Thank read you. the whole thing. Like, Thank I mean, like, okay, thanks. You know, I, it is what it is, man. But like, 
Call Your Shot is a fun segment on this show. I want it to continue to be a fun segment. I, I love the repeat guests we have on that do it all the time, like Pirate Queen. Jay does it a lot. We've had Steve. And great Fett, questions. Who, I've listened to them. Yeah, they're really great. Good they questions. set us off talking and everything. These are just a few examples of bad ones. And if I'm honest, it's because it's All-Star Week and I didn't want to burn anybody's good stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> keep sending me some good some good stuff. And, and honestly, Jim and I, especially with him being sick and Craig needing to have some fun today, I wanted to make sure we had some uh, some good times ripping some stuff apart. So that's what we did. And that's all I got today, boys. I think it was a really good talk about the draft and a whole bunch of other Pirates stuff. It was, Everybody it was good? Yeah, it was perfect having Craig on because, yeah. you know, like, a, 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 at least for me, admittedly, I'm not – I'm more of a – I pay attention to the draft. I want to dig into it afterwards. But I want someone who digs into it before and knows afterwards, and then Craig is perfect for that. Yeah, and that's that's why I wanted to have Craig on too because you know every year I read a lot of draft stuff, but I always wait for Craig's because what I've always liked about his stuff on the the picks in particular is his patience. He waits until the last freaking second to put that thing up, and he's yeah. been working on it for months yeah. before he gets there. And inevitably, he's got eight or nine of the top 15 featured. And <laughs> you just don't even see that kind of hit rate on MLB Pipeline. So I love it. I'm biased. I admit it. But I really like it. So, Craig, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, brother. All right, guys. Just go follow me at the Bucks Basement uh, on Twitter. Uh, please don't interact with me on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. You can, if you want to, but it's at your own risk. I really don't respond on there, but I, I do appreciate you guys having me on today. I, I definitely needed the little pick me up today uh, for anybody that's seen the stuff that's been out there on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So I, uh, and I love to talk to the draft and, and, and I do appreciate that. And I always have um, a great time, you know, talking with Gary and Jim and, and we don't always completely agree and we all pick our brains and we just have fun talking baseball, man. Like it's just, people ask like why we do it and like why that type of stuff. It's just like, look at the friendships we've built through this. So like, like, why wouldn't you do this? If, if this got you this many good friends to talk about stuff with um, from, from Gary to, to Jim, to Yark, to, to Judston, to, to, you know, anybody to Graves, you know, why, why wouldn't you do this? Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, we could go on naming people all day. Oh, absolutely. I could I could go on for hours. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And I should throw out a special thank you to Steve Feck because he was on call for this episode in case Craig couldn't make it. So I really appreciate him setting aside the time just to be oh, able yeah, to Steve, do it. Yeah, Steve, go listen to – I'm not even a Jays fan. I listen to Steve's stuff all the time. Yeah, He's a Steve's great. Jays Steve fan. is so good, man. He yeah. really is. He's awesome. So, Jim, how do people get a hold of you, brother? Yeah, so uh, Twitter all the time, you know, Pittsburgh, um, Pirates, Steelers, Penguins, and Pitt. And, man, guys, we're getting close to football, too. Like, I'm getting all excited. <laughs> so. college, ga- college game day for Pitt, West Virginia, the backyard bra. Are you kidding me? That's Come right. On. That's going to be baller. <laughs> super, super excited. Um, so, everybody, you want to get a hold of me, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at GaryMO2007. Or you can follow the show at Pirates Fan Forum. And uh, aside from that, I think it's time for Ben to just say goodbye. Yes, yes, yes.